0: If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Hi there. Thanks for joining me again today for a new episode of The Estranged Heart. Today's episode is titled, Can Death Put Estrangement Into Motion? The impact of death on estrangement after the loss of a loved one, i.e. a parent or sibling. Before we dive into today's episode, a couple of announcements. I wanted to uh, let everyone know that the Estranged Mothers Su- Zoom support group, which was um, I was hoping to get off the ground in April, um, will begin in May. Our first meeting will be on Saturday, May the 6th, and that will be at um, the start time will be 11:30 a.m pacific time and um, if you're interested in that please let me know there is a nominal fee and for each meeting and the group is limited there is a cap i do limit this to no more than 10 attendees and i will pull from the wait list uh, for attendees first, and we'll go through that. If you'd like to be placed on that waitlist, please let me know. But again, the Zoom support group for estranged mothers will uh, begin Saturday, May the 6th, and it will be bi-weekly. So it will go every other week for approximately four months, and then we'll have a new cohort. Again, if you're interested, email me at theestrangedheart@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I wanted to also thank the estranged adult children who continue to reach out to me i am so glad that number one you've given this podcast a chance and that you're finding it to be helpful for you i read and appreciate every message that is sent my way um thank you thank you for being a listener and um just an update the Zoom group for recently reconciled mothers has been doing wonderfully well. It is, um, it's its been great to see the progress, um, the processes that are happening within that group of mothers who are committed to diving in and doing the work and helping to continue to understand estrangement why it occurred in their life um, and how they have come to reconcile and keeping on track with um, maintaining healthy stable respectful relationships with their adult children fantastic work you guys um, really appreciate that that group will be i believe the last meeting for that group will be the saturday before mother's day and if there is a continued interest in either continuing this group or having another one, I am certainly open to doing that as well. It's been, I think it's been very successful. So if you're interested in that, also please email me, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. So on to today's episode, a couple of quotes to get us started. The first is mortality had remained a conveniently hypothetical concept an idea to ponder in the abstract sooner or later the, the diversiture of such a privileged innocence was inevitable but it finally happened but when it finally happened the shock was magnified by the sheer superfluity of the carnage and that is by john crakecore and the second is you may leave this life at any moment have this possibility in mind in your mind in all that you do or say or think and that is by Marcus A so today's the title and subject for today's episode came about as much of my work does either from my facebook support group or and or my coaching clients and today's episode is no different I have come across many estranged, particularly estranged mothers who have adult children who have estranged from them after the death of their spouse, so the child's father. And most of them do not put this together, meaning they never think about the death of a parent being a catalyst for estrangement and so i I do a lot of talking about that why that might be things like that and that is the premise for today's episode you know death is in this culture here in the us specifically is all the knowledge that i personally have around this is It's not something that we revere. It's not something that um, we hold as sacred. Um, We tend to fear it and push it away. And whenever we do that, with something that is so life altering and so emotional, to me, it's not any wonder that estrangement occurs after the death of a of a parent you know spouse. So I've had several moms share their stories with me about this um, and I will give these as examples. I I won't go into a whole lot of detail just to keep um, confidentiality in place Um, but one in particular mom this, her estrangement occurred after the death of her longtime husband, the father of her adult children. And, um, the adult child just completely withdrew from, from her and became quite angry, angry with mom and not You know not to blame mom for the death not to you know it wasn't directly nothing was directly said related to you know it's because my dad died that i don't want to talk to you or anything along those lines it was just all of a sudden this behavioral change happened um, and the way that they interacted with one another had changed drastically the adult child became more distant um, like i said angrier more volatile and hostile in communication and things along those lines. And when I, when I talked with this mom, you know, that was one of the first questions I asked was, you know, when, when does, you know, I ask every mom this, um, you know, when did the estrangement begin? And was there any sort of big life moment experience change that happened around that time? And when she said, yeah, I, I lost my husband of, you know, 40 plus years just before this happened. And that my husband was my child's father. And when we started to dive into that, the mom began to see, oh my goodness, there's, you know, (laughs) there's a whole host of things that come with that. Another mom talked about, um, you know, having been divorced from her, uh, her spouse, the father of her children. And upon his death, you know, it wasn't long after that, that then the estrangement occurred. There was, there were words exchanged, um, right after the death of right after his death. And that prompted again, you know, a distancing, accusations, anger, that kind of thing that that came up and left this mom reeling because not only was she, you know, even though she was divorced, she was also grieving his death and trying to figure out a way to be supportive for her adult child. So it was very unsettling, right? And when we're in that in when we're in that moment, it's very hard to see what is happening, right? We're just shattered by grief. We are shattered by, you know, how do I pick up and move on? What do I do from here? Life doesn't look anything like it used to look. Uh, I don't know which end is up. And then this estrangement happens. And, and again, we're, you know, you take all of those experiences and such and amplify them times a thousand, right? So one of the things that I'd like to read to you just real quickly is a uh, part of an article that i came across it says pushing loved ones away when grieving usually results from dealing with the significance of a tremendous loss withdrawing from others is sometimes easier to do for the bereaved person than facing their pain and suffering head-on when you think that no one else in the world understands your particular pain and sorrow It causes you to push others away instead of receiving the love and emotional support offered. When a grieving person faces mortality, the experience can be a painful one instead of accepting that death is a part of the life cycle. They might try to hide from the pain of loss. Withdrawing is one way of shielding yourself from grief after a loved one dies. Severing your ties to people you know and love is a natural psychological response to grief when your relationships start to feel threatened after someone you love dies. An automatic psychological response is to protect ourselves from any further pain and suffering. Therefore, pushing people away protects you from ever experiencing the pain of loss again. And that is what I want to focus on today, when, especially if if there has not been other significant losses in someone's life, when the death of someone close to us, or maybe maybe we weren't super close with them, but their role in our lives. Was significant and i don't think it gets any more significant than that of a parent and that i hear often um, I, both of my parents are still living so i can't attest to this personally but what i hear often from them regardless of the age when a parent is lost is feeling like an orphan in the world so there's this you know for the adult children There's this, you don't understand, mom, I just lost my dad. You don't understand what it's like to lose your dad, my dad, right? Now you may have lost, as a estranged mother, you may have lost your parent, may have been a long time ago. And I have to wonder, you know, this is where my curiosity comes in. When our children are growing up, what do we talk to them about grief and loss and death? I know it's not something that was ever taught to me, wasn't ever discussed. My first experience with the loss of someone close to me was a loss of my mother's mom. My my dad's parents died when I was super young, like super young, like five and nine. Um, and my mother's father uh, was accidentally killed in a work accident when she was eight. So my mom's mom was the only grandparent I knew, and when she passed away, it was the first time I had really faced the death of someone within my family that, that was, you know, that I, that I had contact with and, and knew something about. I had previously had an aunt that passed away, but I wasn't super close with her, Um, and so, you know, when my grandmother passed away, it was just kind of one of these things that happened right? We had a memorial service. Nothing was talked about. Nothing was discussed outside of the normal, you know, she was a wonderful lady and all that, you know, you hear all the things from all the people that attend the mor- memorial service. But there wasn't really this talk about death and what does it mean to have lost Mimi and those kinds of things, right? So when this comes along for an adult child, they're really reeling from this loss of a parent and they're not able to see that you too as their mother perhaps lost your father some time ago and that you probably do have an idea of what they're going through they feel very alone in it and even though you've lost your spouse they still look at it as you don't know what it's like for me having lost my father right just like they don't know what it's like for you having lost your spouse so also in with this it's pretty unsettling regardless of the age of the adult child when we see a uh, surviving parent fall apart really when we see our parents fall apart for any reason it's super unsettling. But now as an adult child here, this adult child has lost one parent and the other parent is, you know, has fallen apart, coming apart at the seams, which is to be expected. I am not in any way denying that. My goodness, you know, if you spent decades upon decades with someone and they are no longer there, of course, it is absolutely utterly traumatic for you and again you are in your pain your adult child is in their pain and not really seeing the other person's pain because you're so deep in your own right so when things are are you know unsettled unsettling and there's this you know unsettled for watching a one parent you know falling apart at the loss of a spouse and this, I don't know, I haven't dealt with loss like this before of this magnitude. I don't know what to do with this. If, it, if the adult child was really close with the parent that um, passed away, there's that piece to things. And there's the piece of, you know, also what if things were left unsaid? And that child maybe wasn't close to that parent and there were difficulties and now there's this regret that's happening in the middle of the grief right i should have said this i should have done that i should have should have should have should have or maybe there's actually relief upon death so if someone has been critically ill for an extended period of time and family members have had to step in and, and caretake for you know months if not years sometimes there can be a relief a um a a lightning of responsibility that happens and the other person may not see it as that. And then there becomes this, and I see, I can see that most often with a parent, you know, one spouse who's taking care of another spouse for, for years. And then the child doesn't understand where a parent might feel a sense of relief upon the death. Not to say that they don't miss their parent, their, their spouse, or, you know, are not grieving they absolutely are but these these are some of the stumbling blocks that come into play here so when you have all of these stumbling blocks and people naturally psychologically in order to self-protect and self-preserve they move back and away from people um i, I oftentimes think about it as as a wounded animal right who just goes away and wants to be left alone leave me to deal with my stuff on my own and as is a parent's typical response is to you know want to mother and take care of and those kinds of things and sometimes that's just not the best case that's not the best thing to do sometimes people do need space and time and so here we are then we end up in estrangement as a result of this i see a lot of people when they're dealing with loss and grief they're also can tend to get stuck in particular phases of the grieving process you know we've all we all know the stages to grief and how they can um ebb and flow so there may be months weeks days i don't know of feeling really super sad and then being become very very angry And a lot of times it's easier to live with anger than with the pain of loss. So the anger masks the pain of loss. And so it's easier to be angry. So this is a very convoluted process. Very, you know, what, so what do you do? How do you begin to even navigate that, right? I have a a list of some things to, that could potentially be helpful. And, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on particular scenarios, your particular circumstances, and, you know, how long ago was the death and things like that. I don't think it's ever too late to begin to help repair the relationship through the lens of understanding that loss and grief, um, regardless of how long it's been. So, I'll, I'll list some of these things out and take what you will, what will work for you, and throw the rest away. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay. And everybody, you know, does this differently. Um, one of the things you can do is to offer unconditional support and encourage them to be open about their feelings. So, if you are an estranged mom, you know, and you're you're wanting to do things differently, this might be, and you think that this is related to this grief process, this loss of a loved one, maybe that is, can, is the focus of your amends letter, right? And being able to, even through the amends letter, offer some sort of unconditional support and understanding surrounding that significant loss in their life. Be sincere in your words and actions. Remember, words have power. It's not always what we say. It can be how we say it. So be mindful of tone, of body language. If you're you know, we're either on a video call or in person with someone, be mindful of the rolling of the eyes and, and the tone in which you're saying things. But more importantly, are, are the words that you select they can make or break a particular situation. So, and, and when someone is grieving in that process or one of those stages of grief, it's even more important to be mindful of the words chosen. Show patience and understanding without making it about your loss. I had a, another mom that I am aware of who lost her mom at a fairly young age um, as a young adult. And um, she had a conversation with her father who asked how she was doing. She said, you know, I just really miss mom. And the response she received was, yeah, think about how I feel. And I just totally you know, talk about non-validation, right? So don't make it about your loss. Keep the focus on them and what they have lost and the impact that loss is having on their life. Listen without advising, right? Nobody in the middle of significant grief wants to hear anybody giving them advice on what they should do, shouldn't do, how they should do it, when they should be done with it, etc. Just listen, just be present. Allow them to also set their own boundaries um, instead of feeling obligated to tend to your feelings. So if they say, you know, I, I need space to figure this out. I need space and time to process my own grief. Don't expect them or saddle them with the expectation that they help care for you now that you are alone. That is what I call your little red wagon to pull. We all have our own little red wagons to pull, and and that is yours, right? If others want to offer to help to do that, then that is fantastic and wonderful and welcomed. But don't saddle your children with having to do that in the middle of having to process their own grief, regardless of how old they are and don't expect them to reinforce your relationship with them so you know don't expect them to acquiesce to your your needs and your desires for support and you know by doing so that's this will help you to feel more secure in in your relationship with each other kind of thing um And if, you know, if you are already estranged and you feel that this is, you know, grief and loss have have played into this and you're like, well, Creed, I can't even talk to these people, you know, can't talk to my kid to tell them all these things. I understand that. What I am asking you to do is to really sit with this and think about how this may have impacted the estrangement and how you can delve deeper into understanding their pain and their process of their grief, right? Because it's going to be, when you reconcile, it's going to be a conversation that will likely need to be had. So in closing of this episode, please remember that grief affects us all differently. Every single person on this planet reacts and responds differently to grief and loss. Some people laugh. And it's not a make fun of laugh. It's a nervous, what the hell has just happened with me in my life, and I don't know what the hell to do from here. Laugh. Some people become hysterical. Some people go quiet don't want to be talked to they don't want to talk about it they want to deal with it in their own way in their own time some people numb out which isn't super healthy and not a way that I would recommend Um, you know through alcohol and drugs food shopping mindlessly scrolling the internet things like that so just be mindful of that and i would also encourage you even if you if this loss is something that was that happened you know 2 years ago 5 years ago 10 years ago 20 years ago if you haven't processed that grief i would encourage you to seek out a therapist trained in loss and grief and it is a very specific type of training and experience to have that and i will be honest with you not a lot of therapists have it so that and not a lot of therapists can go really deep with a person who is experiencing loss and grief so be mindful of that i'll leave some um some information in the show notes that uh for references that might be helpful for you but i would i would definitely work on um you know if not processing that loss and grief for yourself but processing what does this mean for my kid right? How did, the, how did they get here? How could I help them to move forward? How could I reach out to them in a way that is respectful and honoring the loss of their dad or their mom, right? So just because the grief happened, the loss happened a long time ago, doesn't mean that you're not still grieving. So I would highly recommend that. So grief is a very real thing and it's very scary when we've never experienced it or it's been a taboo topic to talk about. I think as little children we are you know inquisitive. I remember when my dad's mother passed away I was five and I remember asking questions about it and I remember being basically told to shh. You know, we don't talk about that. So children by nature are very curious and want answers and want to know what things are all about. And we as adults um, get into that place of fear and we don't deal with it. So... If you would like support around any of that, think that that is a part of your estrangement and would like to have additional coaching support, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to help support you along that way. And again, I can be reached at theestrangedheart at gmail.com or go directly to my website, which is theestrangedheart.com. Until next time. this brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you were able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, perhaps entertaining, becoming a guest on our show or following us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. We can be found at facebook.com Backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast, anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com.